How, how are you all? It's a, a lovely morning. I hope you, you're all rested, having had an extra hour. I mean, it's... Um, I apologise that even though we had an extra hour, we're starting a little bit late. My fault entirely, I'm afraid. It's it's lovely to meet together. It's lovely to be together as a as a family, and uh, it's lovely to be together on a beautiful morning as well, isn't it? So, let's let's start our service in praise by singing together a lovely hymn from uh, from the hymn book number seventy five, which is based on. Psalm um, 150. Oh, praise ye the Lord, praise him in the heights, rejoice in his word, ye angels of light. I mean, the words of some of these hymns can sometimes seem a little bit old-fashioned, but I I actually, as I've got a bit older, I've, I've grown to love the words of some of these hymns uh, that, that, that we can share together. So let's sing together. That first hymn we sang, it, uh, the line that, that struck me was it talked about loud organs, his glory, forth tell in deep tones. And it always feels as though there's a slight gap, doesn't there, without our, without our organ. I mean, it was, it was, um, you know, it reached the end of its time. But, but the other thing that it talks about is a sweet harp. And I somehow think that sweet harp is maybe the, the future for us here at, uh, at Old Trafford, not mentioning any names. Um, Andrew has got a, a busy morning this morning, so the first part of your duties, Andrew, uh, could you give us the uh, announcements, please? And I've asked Sue if she'll, sorry, Acts, Acts 3 and 4, sorry, yes, Acts chapters 3 and 4, and Sue is going to read to us from Acts chapter 3, and Sheila is going to read from Acts chapter 4. We've got the Bible up here if you want it, but otherwise bring, bring your own. Acts chapter 3. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now, a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. And then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. While the beggar held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, Men of Israel, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we have made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, 
the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the Holy and Righteous One, and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has given this complete healing to him, as you can all see. Now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders, but this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying that his Christ would suffer. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, and that he may send the Christ who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. He must remain in heaven until the time comes for God to restore everything, as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. For Moses said, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among his own people. You must listen to everything he tells you. Anyone who does not listen to him will be completely cut off from among his people. Indeed, all the prophets from Samuel on, as many as have spoken, have foretold these days. And you are heirs of the prophets and of the covenant God made with your fathers. He said to Abraham, Through your offspring all peoples on earth will be blessed. When God raises up his servant, he sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways. <sighs> the priests and the captain of the guard, of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed, and the number of men grew to be about 5,000. The next day, the rulers, elders, and teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there. So was Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and the other men of the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what a power and what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a cripple and are asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. He is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the capstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men 
by which we must be saved. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note of what these men had, had, that had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and they conferred together. What are we going to do with these men, they asked. Everybody living in Jerusalem knows that they have done an outstanding miracle and we cannot deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn these men to speak no longer to anyone in his name. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, Judge for yourselves whether it is right in God's sight to obey you rather than God. For we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. After further threats, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them, because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers gather together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what their power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. After they prayed, the place where there was meeting was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own but they shared everything that they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and much grace was upon them all. There was no needy persons among them, for from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them and brought the money from the sales and put it all at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone as he had need. Joseph, Eliza, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostle called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostle's feet.
you very much, Sheila. Thank you, Sue, for, for reading. And there's so much in those chapters, isn't there, about what it must have been like in those early days. I mean, remember, we're talking about weeks after Jesus' resurrection. It's not long after Pentecost and uh, exciting times. Am I, I'm, I, think, I think I'm right in saying that it's, it's, it's still early, early after Jesus' um, resurrection. There, there's still that vitality. And when they prayed, the, the, the place that they were in shook. I'd love to be in a prayer meeting like that, wouldn't you? We're going to, uh, Andrew's going to speak to us, uh, going to be uh, expanding on some of those, those themes, some of, some different themes. Um, but we're, we're going to sing together, um, from Praise the Lord, um, 127. You are my hiding place. Peter and and, the, uh, and and John, they 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 didn't pretend to be something they weren't. They they didn't pretend that that they were powerful people, but they from time to time were afraid, even though that God was working in them. Let's pray. Let's. You are my hiding place. Um, this song's around, so do feel free to sort of. I'm not very good at leading those sort of things, but but you're very good at doing them. So let's 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 sing it in a beautiful way. Andrew, would you come and encourage us, please, with words of exhortation? I guess it was just um, another day, really, to the chap who'd been. Paralyzed, crippled from birth, and for many, many years he'd been taken and put out at the beautiful gate. Got your lunch, got something to drink, see you later. And off his cares would go. And up come these two guys. Ordinary guys. Just another day. And this chap who couldn't walk from birth, he's now 40 years old and he's seen loads of people come by as he begs for a living. And these two guys come walking up and he says, got any spare change? And then for all these men, it becomes a totally different day. A day like they've never had before or would ever have. Probably. Peter and John might have looked ordinary guys, but they were prophets, weren't they? They were apostles, rather. And they saw the guy sitting there, and they could say to the guy what he nearly always heard, Sorry, mate, I've not got any change. We've no spare money. So the guy says, Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he starts to look for the next people coming along. He looks away. But to his surprise, the, the two men say, well, well, look at us, because what we have got, we'll give to you. He goes, what? Yeah, what we have got, we'll give to you. Stand up and walk, come on, stand up. 
The beggar had never heard people talk like this before. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. The man thought he'd asked for too much. Perhaps he'd expected too much. He only wanted money. But as we see, he, he didn't ask for enough, really, did he? I mean, we wouldn't have probably asked for enough. Perhaps he'd sought help from Peter and John in a half-hearted way. Oh, well, I'll, I'll give these guys a whirl. You never know. And he received far, far more from them than he'd ever dreamt of. And he jumped up and he walked. We read in Acts that he hung on to the, the coat of Peter and John. He didn't want to let them go. I don't think it was because he couldn't walk because we're told he was made perfect. You know, he was absolutely cured. But he just didn't want to let them go. And he went into the temple rejoicing with them. It's a familiar story really, isn't it? We've all, like Martin, heard it in uh, Sunday school. Um, but two things stand out for me here. We should always be ready to do God's work on an ordinary day. I remember one day, it was an ordinary day, I'd driven down to Birmingham and uh, we're meeting some people to discuss uh, an exchange on this hospital. And we sat there in the meeting and all I can think of was was drawings and costs and budgets and programs and all this sort of thing. The traffic getting there. And then the, uh, the area manager for Birmingham was speaking to the hospital manager and she was having a bad day and she said, oh, it's written in the stars. It's gone one of these days for me. He says, no, 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 no. You shouldn't say that. Think of what Jesus would have said. And he started to talk. He said, getting mixed up with the stars, it's bad. He said, it's all the occult and stuff like that. You don't have to get into all that, you know. She goes, what? So he said, look, read this. And he gave this leaflet. And I was absolutely bowled over because up there in this guy's mind was Jesus. And I was, I knew, I knew he was a minister, but, you know, because we'd often talk, but I thought, well done you for, for speaking like that. I would have just sort of said, oh, well, carried on. But, that's something we live from that we can learn from this that even if it's an ordinary day, keep Jesus up in our thoughts and in our motives. We're often caught off guard, aren't we? Because we, you know, we're we're taking the kids to school. Um, we've joined the another queue in the traffic at the at the traffic lights. We've got a train to catch. We've got groceries to buy, and then got to meet somebody, or we're off on holiday somewhere. And not a care in the world. It's going to be, it's going to be great. And often Christ is way down in our priorities. So Peter says in his letter, doesn't he? Therefore, get your minds ready for action by being fully clear, fully sober, he says, and set your hope completely on the grace that will be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed. In other words, let's try and keep Jesus up and be ready in our in our um, actions and motives and again he says in the NIV he says but in your hearts revere Christ as Lord always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have but do this with gentleness and respect don't be caught off guard and Peter and John weren't caught off guard were they? As they went into the temple, they had Christ in their thoughts. 
as they went about probably what was an ordinary day for them. If only. And the second thing is, let's learn a couple of things from the guy who was sitting there at the beautiful gate. Firstly, he had not given up on God. He wanted to get up and praise God and go in the temple straight away, didn't he? We don't know for how many years he'd been carried and put down at the temple gate, but he, he was over 40 years old, we're told. But when that day came, he was ready. He didn't say, no, I've been here for years, mate. It's not going to work. He got up, didn't he? He did. And we can become despondent and we can question God's motives. Why are you doing it this way, God? Let's keep on talking to God about things that are going on in our lives. Tell him how we feel. And secondly, the man asked for the usual. Have you got any change? Have you got anything you can give me? We can't blame him, can we? Because he didn't know who these two men were. He didn't know who Peter and John were. I wonder what he would have said if he had known that they were apostles. Anyway, the lesson for, for us, for me, is we all know who, who Jesus is, don't we? We all know who God is. Jesus is the Son of God. He loves us. We can be sure of that. So let us bring all things to him in prayer. Let's keep in communication with God. Let's keep Jesus up there in our everyday thoughts and, and motives. Also, we shouldn't assume, I think Martin mentioned that in his pastoral prayer, we shouldn't assume God will do things the way we think they ought to be done. We shouldn't think the way a thing should be done. That's the way God will, will do it, if he's going to do that at all. I read a quote once that said, if you want to make God smile, tell him your plans. And, and it's true, isn't it? We have highs and lows, don't we? It's all part of our human makeup, isn't it? And when it, it, it often comes helpful to recall the highs in our lives, because we've all had them, and their memory, prayers that we've had answered, situations which we've been delivered from, and resolution of difficulties. We do well to remember those when we have the lows, because it helps us face them better. But above all, let's not give up talking to God about it. Complain if you have to. God doesn't mind. Voice our concerns and our worries. And also, we need to voice our feelings of awe. For example, today, the beautiful colours in the sunshine. Thankfulness for our sight that we can see these things, that we can hear things. Thank God for answering our prayers, for listening and thanking him when we don't get answers, because there's a reason for that, isn't there? One day we, we will see. So I think those are some of the things we can learn from that incident at the beautiful gate. But as we were reading through Acts chapter 3, there's a word that comes up halfway through the chapter that um, caught my eye. Um, I don't know if you saw it. jumps out at me in verse 13 and 14. Of, uh, of Acts chapter 3. When Peter's talking to the Christ, he says, The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God 
of our fathers has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed and you disowned him before Pilate. Then in verse 14 he uses it again. You disowned the holy and righteous one and that's that a murderer be released to you. The big focus here of what Peter says is that God kept his promises. He kept his promises, but you disowned Jesus when it wasn't going well, when you thought you knew better. Disowning means to deny, doesn't it? God kept his promises. He's always faithful. But often we can't see how it's working out, can we? And it gets dark. And we wonder if uh, we've been left behind somewhere along the way. But he's always faithful. And in verse 16, Peter emphasizes that it was faith working here. He says, by faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has given him this complete healing as you all can see I think that's Luke coming out there isn't it he could see and he was amazed at how the man had been cured so we've all found it hard at times but let's not turn away from Jesus don't let's give up on his promises to us anyway what do we mean by disowning Jesus you know do we sort of turn our back completely in Luke's Gospel we read, Then Jesus said to them all, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. Now that word deny is disown. So in a way, we have to disown ourselves. How do we do that? I think we could spend a long time discussing that, but I think basically it means stop acting as if we're number one, doesn't it? Try and keep Christ um, uppermost in our thoughts and our motives. It's not as if we're doing things wrong, but sometimes he doesn't get considered when we're, we're doing things, does he? When we're talking with people, when we're considering others. Let's put him first, if you like. That's taking up our cross, isn't it? Thinking of him when we think about all other things as well. What would Jesus do? So instead of disowning Christ, perhaps we ought to think about disowning ourselves and turning to him. And we can support one another in that, isn't it? It's something that we can all do better if we're doing it as a group as well. Put our wishes and self-interest behind those of Jesus. Follow his example, not those of the world, if you like. Peter would never forget how he denied how he disowned Jesus at the time of the trial of Jesus. Three times and then he realized, Jesus said, you're going to disown me, Peter. No way. No way, said Peter. I'm right there with you. But Jesus loved him nevertheless. And now, as has already been pointed out, here Peter stood in the very place where just a few weeks earlier, Jesus had stood under arrest on trial before the Jewish court. And that time Jesus had been condemned to death. 
while Peter disowned him. And look what Peter says now in, in Acts chapter 4 that um, Sheila read for us. In Acts chapter 4 verse 8. In no way was Peter disowning Jesus now. Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a cripple, and you are asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. He is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the capstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. And it goes on to say they saw the courage of Peter and they, they noted that these men had been with Jesus. Just a little note, but I think that's good, isn't it? And I think, yeah, can anybody tell I've been with Jesus? Can anybody tell that you've been with Jesus? It's keeping him, him up there, isn't it? In our thoughts and actions. Often we can preach far better by what we do than, than what we say. So really, it, it boils down to what we often come up with. It's about relationships, isn't it? It's not about all the stuff we know, all the dates and sequences and things like that that we can... Reel off. What does that mean to us, brothers and sisters? What does it mean to us? What does it mean to me? It's about a relationship, isn't it, that we have with Jesus. That's, I think, what it's all about. It's not really knowing lots and lots of things, although it's very interesting, and I'm not decrying that in the slightest. But it's having this relationship with God and with Jesus. He's here in our hearts. That's how Nehemiah could quickly pray a prayer and give an answer to the king, isn't it? In an instant. Because he's got this relationship with Jesus. That's how Hezekiah could take this letter, spread it in the temple and say, we need a bigger boat, Lord. You know, I need some help here. He could do that because he got a relationship with Jesus. And they're right here with us now. If only we can open our hearts to them. As a, an ecclesia and also as individuals. I saw a few lovely quotes. Just let me read a couple to you. Your relationship with Jesus will set the tone of every other relationship in your life. Fix your eyes on him and watch how it changes things. I think that's lovely, isn't it? It's, it's denying ourselves, isn't it? Another one. Some people think God does, like, does not like to be troubled with our constant coming and asking. The way to trouble God is not to come to him at all. I think that's when he gets troubled. We've all seen these things, haven't we? But they really are succinct. The love and concern of God and Jesus for us is so strong, we're told that nothing can break it. Yet there are so many things that can happen to us or those around us that I think put pressure on this relationship, don't they? Life puts pressure on this relationship and there are so many things that can happen to those around us 
that put pressure on this relationship. And in these hard times, we can tend to forget the good things, can't we? So rather than turn away and say, I've had enough, I don't want this, or how could you do this, God? How could you let this happen? It's this relationship, isn't it, that we have to work at and keep talking. Just let's try and have a chat with Jesus about these things. Talk to Abba, our Father. And let's not pray and read the Bible because we have to. We're not earning brownie points, are we? We're not building up some credit in a great big spiritual banking system. It's because Jesus loves us. And and the bread and the wine here just shows the extent of that love that he has for us, even in the the darkest times. I read a great great little uh, story here um, in the early life of, of Eddie Askew. You've probably heard of him. There was one time when he lived abroad and he had two pet monkeys. One of them escaped, but they kept the other one. It was called Squeak because that's all this monkey did. It squeaked. And he said it lived at the top of an eight-foot pole with a boxy house on the top. And he could go and live up there. And he had a long chain and uh, he could move around. And it was fine. He said, but one night he was... um, Woken, well, it's very early in the morning, by distress calls and a crashing in the trees. He says, I got up, Squeak was nowhere to be seen. He called and I looked around and there he was, 20 feet up a tree at the end of the garden. The loose end of his chain had snagged inextricably on the spur of a branch. He was stuck. I began to climb the tree in my pyjamas. I moved out towards him hanging with my arms and legs wrapped around the branch. I got closer and tried with one hand to untangle the chain. He edged nearer, muttering to himself. Finally, he let go of the branch and sat on my head. Can you picture it? Twenty feet up a tree. He leaned forward until his face was upside down, within two inches of mine. I thought I heard him say, this is a fine mess you've got me into. <laughs> and it, I smiled because it reminded me just how much, how many scrapes we get into. Yet God will always come looking for us. And sometimes we can blame him, can't we? But it's not really like that. So in conclusion then, firstly, Jesus offers you and I hope in this broken world through a special relationship. And we can't fully understand it now, particularly if things are not going well. But at the return of Jesus, we will see it clearly. Secondly, let us not disown Jesus. Rather, let's open up our lives with all their faults and failings and imperfections to Jesus with a view of improving this relationship that we can have with him. And thirdly, it might just be another day. But let us remember Peter's encouragement. In your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. 
and on the table here, the bread and the wine, remind us how important to Jesus this relationship is.